You are listening to the Evolution Exchange podcast, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders within the UK. I'm Ruth Pike. I help connect tech teams with contract tech talent. And today I am your host. Today I'm joined by a really great panel to discuss working from home and how to keep your team engaged and prevent them from burning out. Um, it's been a pleasure being on such an it's a pleasure to be on such an extraordinary panel, and I'm sure it'll be a really, really good um, podcast and an interesting one seeing as I've spoken to you all for quite some time now and, and can gauge what it is that you're going to be saying today. Um, it's a topic that I know a lot of people have faced over the last couple of years. So before we delve a little bit deeper into the topic, I'm going to work my way around the room with some introductions. So what I'd like to know is who you are, what you do, and what it is that you're passionate about. So David, do you want to start? Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Thanks, Ruth. So I'm David Donnan. I'm Managing Director of Igentix Limited. We're based in Cambridge. We are a web shop, uh, systems integrators, do quite a bit of branding, uh, Umbraco Gold Partners. Um, we work a lot in um, manufacturing, which is thriving in the UK, contrary to what you might hear from other people. Um, and we've been um, remote for probably the last couple of years. We've always had quite a lot of remote workers but we're fully remote at the moment and so you know this this topic is is very uh, pertinent for us um in my spare time i play in bands and organize festivals and raise money for charity and that's me we all get an invite to something coming absolutely always invite <laughs> um graham how about yourself yeah hi there uh, i'm graham reed um i am about to start a new new job actually uh, in the next couple of weeks i will be uh head of uh, product operations at a company called cobalt ai pen testing as a service uh, organization based in uh, predominantly in the US and in Germany. Um, I've been a product manager for um, 15 odd years now, uh, 12, 13, 14 years now. Um, and, um, you know, that's that's my career. That's what I'm very, very passionate about. But alongside that is also a huge passion on mental health um, and well-being. Um, and so something else that I also do is I, I co-run a, um, a dedicated um, uh, community called the product mind community it's very focused on product managers and people in that sort of role um, to help support them uh, in a very unique very often quite stressful type uh, role in their mental health and well-being um, and, and just a general big community for everybody to discuss very safely very freely very openly about uh, what they do and, and and how they feel about everything and get advice from people that have uh, that are also in that uh, in that line of work thank you very much and Steve Hi guys, uh, I'm Steve Morby. I'm the Head of Architecture at uh, LO Group based in Manchester. Uh, LO Group is a, a digital agency. It's um, it, it's accepted brands such as Taste Card and Coffee Club. And my role there is solution design, QA, uh, development and IT. And my background over my career, nearly 15 years now, has predominantly been in um, software development, um, e-commerce, IT and the like. And personally, my, my passion is really, um, I've always been into businesses that have a vision and I'm passionate about how businesses do that. I'm passionate about how a business keeps true to that vision, how it says no to things that are anything other than that vision and productivity, um, getting the best out of wherever you work, which is why I'm so interested to take part in this discussion today. Um, other than that, personally, I'm into motoring, DIY, woodwork, keeping fit and whatever else I get up to at home. Thank you very much. 
Gillian, thank you all for taking the time to tell us a little bit about yourself. So now that we've established a little bit of context in each of you, I'll move on to the topic in focus. So everyone on this podcast is here because you've got an interest in the topic of working from home and how to prevent your teams from burning out um, and to keep them engaged. So we have got a few questions to cover. So I'll work around the room asking each of you to pose your question. Um, also, any subtopics sub that you're happy to have a little chat about at the end, please do let me know. Um, and then once I pose the questions, then each of you will have an opportunity to give you your take on that situation. Um, so David, I'm going to start with your question to the panel. And your question was how to build and maintain culture, especially when onboarding. So I will start with yourself, David, for you to give us some kind of views on your initial question first, please. Thanks, Ruth. I think um, the thing, the issue for me is that I've always tried to get to know my team really well. You know, they're, they're all people and, and we all, you know, I like people. I like working with people. And, and I think in the past, it was always quite easy to have a culture when everyone's in the office, you know, two, three, four four days a week um because you get to know the people you don't you don't necessarily set out to know the people but you chat you chat when you're when you're working on a project together you chat when you're having a coffee uh, over lunch and or when you're walking into town or whatever else you, you just you you almost get to know people by accident um and i think that one of the challenges i've really found over lockdown has been how to replicate that without forcing it when you're all remote you know you can't just pop someone into a zoom or a teams chat and say oh how you know how are you doing you know, tell me about your kids. Tell me about, but but actually, that's that's I think what we've what we've sort of ended up doing. You know, I I teams my team and just have a chat and not, you know, with no particular agenda. Or you start having a conversation about the work that you're maybe trying to do or the, the project or whatever. But then you also make sure that you're you're finding out a bit more about them, what's going on in their life, what's happening, what they're doing after work, what time, you know, did they have everything that they need? And it's I think it's really it's been really difficult to do that especially with on onboarding people i think that's been the really difficult thing when you've got people you already know and you're, you're then going remote you, you've sort of got a base point because you know them already but when it's someone new it's really difficult and and we've had some some issues with uh, onboarding people and, and them getting to understand the ethos of the business and how we feel about and how we work about things um, and a lot of the stuff that steve was saying i think is very relevant about you know saying no to the right things you know how, how do you how do you get that across to people when most of the stuff that you're doing is quite formal. It's, you know, this is the training that you're on, these are the systems that you need to use, these are the projects that you're doing. Um, and, you know, I, I haven't really found an answer for that. I think it's, especially with the development team, you know, developers, by by a lot of their very nature, they're quite insular people, some of them. And so it's quite hard to to, to sort of tease the personal stuff out of them without prying. It's it's something that I think we've, well, I've certainly struggled with. Um, so that's, I know that's not an answer to my own question, but I'm just trying to, you know, this is just sort of what I've ex experienced over the last couple of years. Yeah, well, obviously you've told us a little bit about what it is that you personally went through, and so that's great. Um, Graham, do you want to follow? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's really interesting because, um, you know, a lot of what you've said here uh David, is some of the things, you know, it's exactly the same things that I've kind of experienced myself as well. And and I've tried to put in place at my team. So certainly being able to kind of have kind of um, uh, meetings that are not or, or, or virtual meetings that are not kind of, um, you know, formal, you know, let's just get to know people, just talk to people, have that quite regularly. Uh, a couple of times, uh, you know, in my previous place, you know, started to kind of implement um, 
little like lunch sessions and things like that. We did cook-alongs and things like that, whereby we all actually took our laptops to the to the kitchen in our homes and cooked something, you know, the same and and, and things like that as a bit of an experiment, um, which was quite fun. Um, and I think that kind of that whole social side of things, uh, you know, is something that, that gets missed. There's an interesting um, there's an interesting mirror to that. And actually, David, a question I'd like to ask you on that is many people when they are in the office, you know, if they are quite shy, they are quite insular. Um, you know, we'll fight, we'll feel um, not as comfortable, you know, and, and for years have never been, uh, you know, too comfortable in sharing and things like that. So actually remote working for many people, uh, you know, has been a real positive for them because actually they only then have to kind of uh, inter interact on a very professional level. They don't have to feel they need to talk about, uh, you know, home life and things like that. Uh, they don't, you know, there isn't as many opportunities for they, they might feel they need to do that. Um, how do you feel that 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 fits into that 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 side of things? I think it's a very very fair point. Again, especially with development staff, you know, they they like to be given given their load of tasks for the day, work through them, and you don't hear from them unless there's an issue. And I think in a lot of cases that that can work really well. And uh, but I think the thing that worries me is that they don't feel appreciated or they don't feel that they're getting necessarily what they want. So I mean, it, you know, I might be imagining a lot of this, um, but I've been doing it for a long time. I've worked with people for, for a long time. And I think one of the things that always I always fear is that, you know, people are saying, oh, you know, they, they, they don't care. They don't, you know, all they do is give us work and pay us. You know, they don't they don't give us the rest of it. And we we're organizing, you know, now now the office is back open again. And, you know, we're organizing regular socials in Cambridge every every couple of months. And, and you know, they're not mandatory by any stretch of the imagination. But but I completely take your point. You know, well, I don't want to force it. And that's part of you can when you're in an office with someone, you can very easily tell the body language. Um, but when it's on a Zoom call, especially when it's something that you've instigated, it's actually a lot harder. And, and you're right. I mean, the last thing I want to do is, is ring someone up and say, right, you know, let's let's talk about your life when th that's the last thing they want to do. So it's 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 been something that I've probably struggled with more than I think, actually, over the last couple of years. This is quite a good counselling session for me. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, so it's a tricky one. I think it is as well. And, and sorry, Steve, I'll, I'll hand over to you in a second. But I think it's very <laughs> interesting because I, I read something very recently and it, and it actually opened my eyes to something that I used to do quite a lot, which is... Um, you said about body language you said about kind of having that that connectivity which is obviously very lost when you are only talking to them when you kind of you need to uh, when there's a problem or you need to deliver a new piece of information and actually i found you know with some of my team you know i started to sort of be very mindful of the messages i was sending saying right oh we just need to have a chat and actually are they thinking you know particularly people that report to me and thinking oh have i done something wrong am i about yeah. to get fired am i is there a real problem here <laughs> well actually no it's not if i was in an office it'd just be like Right, yeah, just let's go, let's have a chat about this over here um, because we're already talking and there's that context of that, but you've lost that context of what's coming up and and the conversations that uh, you, that you want to have with them. So I'm also then very mindful of sort of saying, oh, hang on, let's have a quick chat. It's about this. There's no problem. We need to just push this project forward, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Okay, and then Stephen, so the question to re remind you was how to build and maintain culture, especially when onboarding. Have a lot going on. So for me, when we talk about building culture in the first place. Remember a time before COVID when, for me personally, I remember when we'd have uh, remote workers or people working from home, there were a face on a laptop that was dragged into a meeting room and put on the corner. They were like Rimmer from um, Red Wolf. <laughs> and it was always this outsider person, oh, we need to dial them in. Oh, we forgot about John who's, you know, over the, over the, over in the um, end of the city or wherever. And since the pandemic, obviously that thrust us all into the same, we're all in the screen and aren't we? We're all even. 
and obviously we've come out of that again and the issue of found now is it's not so much the full remote workforces there's an issue with the hybrid workforces it's quite tricky and what i mean by that is you've got to be careful when you're building a culture that you don't end up with a the in the office gang mm. and the everybody else remote gang yeah. some of you may have experienced that you have a meeting where there may be 10 people in the office room four people on a screen you end the meeting the the the, the conversation continues with the people in the room and you end up with this people on the screen who've all ended the call who are outside of the rest of that conversation. So one thing I would, uh, I've found personally is when building a hybrid workforce, a good principle to have to uh, make sure it's going to work very effectively re um, remotely is have a principle of remote first. So for example, you work anywhere, and that may be that you happen to be in the office, but you also distributedly work in the office as well. Not have this centralised building that's an office where you predominantly work, but secondarily, you may be someone who's working at home, but they will have to dial in. So for me, the, the culture needs to be established is this. It is, it is remote, it doesn't discriminate, it is distributed, but there is this building that is an office that some people may choose to go to and use the facilities there and maybe book some human collaboration reasons to be there. That, that That's what I found. And I think, well, we all know the the um, requirement to flock to a, a centralised building that's an office over time will probably um, evolve away so that actually we won't be working as binary, you're working at home, you work in the office, you'll be working anywhere as the infrastructure of the world develops, that's that's where it will go. So I think the, the, the good thing to embrace right now is a principle of um, we are predominantly remote workers, but there is an office there as well. Does anyone want to add anything onto that question? I think that's great. I, I, it's, yeah. it, having a having remote having a remote first hybrid model. I really yeah. like that. Uh, it's, it's the first time I've probably think I've probably heard that, but I think that's fantastic. I think it's a really really great. And I, I you, you're everything you've said absolutely spot on. You know, and, and you get that you get the office, and even actually within meetings themselves where you've got predominantly people in the office or that are in person uh you know that you find that the conversations do flow more naturally because because we're still all getting used to you know predominantly being you know remote anyway and technology still does sometimes hamper us within that that effect but i, I found this only a few weeks ago whereby there was a a meeting between two different offices, one in Spain, one here, uh, one in London. Uh, there was a small group in London, a very large group in Spain, uh, and it was the conversations that were happening in those two offices sometimes got a little bit mixed with the overall conversation that was happening. Um, and, and, and yeah, I think that then in that case, you know, the technology you know hasn't helped support that at all. Um, so yeah, I, I, I completely hear what you're saying on that. So we're going to move on to Graham's question. And Graeme's question is, how do you support that work and life balance with fully remote teams? So, um, Graeme, I'll let you start. Yeah, so for me, um, you know, I'm a big, big believer in in that you are your whole self and you should bring in your whole self wherever you, wherever you are, whether you're at home or whether you're at work. Um, I've seen so many posts just recently, um, you know, with lots and lots of uh, comments to the contrary uh, of, of some people saying, you know, you know, you're in your workplace, you should be your work self. Um, you know, you, you know, you leave your baggage at home, you just focus on your work and things like that. And OK, that's that may well be how we have worked previously when we've been in the office or, or even in a kind of hybrid model. 
but certainly at home, it's so much more difficult to do. Um, and actually, from a very you know well-being perspective, that's not healthy. That's not a healthy way to to work. Then coupled with that is the trials and tribulations that you have with, uh, you know, with working predominantly in that same place consistently at home. So you've got a home life and work life. They are all within the home. Um, so how do you balance that out when you don't have a choice when you are, uh, you know, from, uh, working remotely full time? And for me, um, you know, there's a little, there's many things I've put in, now I've instilled in my teams over the years, um, really looking to provide some flexibility of working hours, um, discourage out of hours work as much as possible um, and encourage downtime. And the three of those things connected is really to say, I'm really interested in, you know, the results that you provide and you doing the things that you need to do. I don't fundamentally care too much when you work, as long as you're you're part of meetings, you can you can be the meetings that you need to be at. If you need to go and, and do whatever outside, you know, in that time, as long as the work is being done, I'm not going to sit here and count your hours. I'm not going to sit here and do X, Y and Z to monitor you as long as the work is being done. Um, alongside that is really, again, providing that safe environment for people to bring their whole self um, to work. So things that I've put in place is what I've called a safe space. Um, this is the opportunity for people one on one or in groups if necessary, but usually one on one to just call me up at a certain time of, on a week that's always dedicated in my calendar because they want to talk about whatever it is they want. It could be last night's football game. It could be some problems they've got at home. It's just something for again mimicking that kind of office whereby two people might go to down the street or into the canteen and go let's just have a chat about something i'm not doing quite so well about something i want to ask your advice on something very safe very uh kind of off the record as it were um uh, and with that as well regular check-ins with people as well as much as possible and this is a very difficult one to try and get the right balance on and we've, we've spoken a lot already about kind of the balance of, of, of things um how do you do that in a way that means that you're not constantly feeling like they're being micromanaged that you're not looking over their shoulder every five minutes but at the same time you are encouraging them to talk to 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 uh you know to communicate to get that feel that they are, uh, you know, part of the team, I think, is what we've also discussed here as well. That's very difficult. Um, and for me, it, with every individual, there's the right balance. I've worked with people that will be very happy to talk as much as I talk. Um, and then you get people that are, you know, it's almost like, you know, uh, drawing blood out of a stone to get them to talk about anything, even in, work, in, a, in a work situation. Um, and again, for me, it's again finding that very individual right balance with with everybody. I suppose as a manager, it, it's all about people management, isn't it? And finding out. So I'm doing a course on the seven habits, and basically what they what we're doing is the one that we did today is basically finding out someone's currency. So how how do they react to different things, and what, what you think is a good thing, they might not actually see that as a as something that benefits them. So it's finding out every single different person has got a different currency of how they react to certain things. It's a really good book and a really good course. It's called Seven Habits. Um, is it Stephen Covey effective. one, Ruth? Yeah, yeah. Of a highly effective book, person, yeah. it's free. So we're currently doing that course now, um, and it does it really. It opens your eyes to how different people work. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. <laughs> um, so, David, um, do you want to go next on the how do you support that work-life balance with fully remote teams? I think um, one of the things that I, um, I, I so when we were at, uh, many years ago before I took on Agentix, we were another agency owned by another company, and this is about 1998, 2000, and <clears throat> there was a real who could be in the office later ethic. 
and everyone would always be working really late and it's like oh no it's nine o'clock and no one's there there's people you know and it and it's toxic it's absolutely toxic and when we took agentics on it was always a thing that you know we we, we plan the work so people can go home you know they can finish when they were supposed you know when it was 5 30 it was 5 30 when it was when we put flexi time in it was to allow people to flex and have that and be have the ability to use the flexible time um and now we're fully remote a little bit like graham it's as long as they're there when we need them within within reason then as long as the work gets done um and everyone is happy then then that that's cool for us and there are people i know that if you know, we're a service agency and very occasionally something will go terribly wrong at a weekend and we'll get a call from a client. And there are people I know that will be absolutely fine getting a call on a Saturday. And there are people I know that will have a, you know, they'll have an emotional issue with it, which not not intentionally, um, but I know that they're not the people to call and I can call these other people. And, and I think a lot of it is, it's almost what we we're talking about earlier. It's about knowing your team and knowing how they react to things and knowing what to expect people, but also setting those expectations correctly. So they know that, it's a weekend. They're not going to get a call, or it's it's in the evening and everything is cool, and and you know we're in anything any any trouble that comes along, we will handle it. And they can they've done their work. They can go and play with their children, or go to the football, or go to the pub, or play darts, or whatever else they want, or you know read a book or whatever. Um, and I think think for me that's that's been one of the key things. And also making sure um, I think as everyone probably does is that there's somewhere they can go if they have a problem that they don't have to worry about it. They can pick the phone up, they can drop a Teams, they can do whatever, and there'll be someone there who who will listen to them and will help them. And that's, I think, one of the things that I think I've found not seeing everybody very regularly in person is that you don't necessarily spot mood changes, you don't necessarily see that change in someone's demeanour. Whereas, you know, in, if in the office you might say to someone, you're right, you look a bit down today, and, and they might react back. It's very hard to do that. So instilling into them, uh, instilling into the team this, you know, I'm here, if you need me, you've got my numbers, ring me any time and, and for them to be comfortable to do that, I think is is something that's very important. And, and actually going back to the earlier question, that's something I've found quite hard to instill in new people as they've come on board during lockdown. Stephen, over to you. For me, um, just touching back on what Graham was saying before about um, being yourself. One thing I found, I think all of us here found and everyone listening is before the pandemic, who you, who you were then in an office environment and or wherever you worked, being locked away for 18 months in your room I think it's hard to say that you are still yourself and you haven't been influenced by the imprisonment that some of us felt during that and coming out of that world now and embracing a fully a hybrid or fully remote workforce one thing I found that to remain yourself it's important to have actual visual touch points with your team members now you know you guys on this call and people probably choosing to listen to this are not just managers we we'll probably have an interest because we have a duty of care for our for our teams one thing i would say is that the the last thing anyone would ever want is for somebody to start a role and then their only contact with team members and their line managers is through slack messages and email so one thing for me as as uh, as leaders uh, rather is definitely make sure you have that daily if at least daily visual facial interaction we are very social animals we're not we're not built for um trying to um take emotion and read into interactions from text and sentences we're here to see faces eyebrows eye movement and so on uh, i can't underestimate how important it is to visually uh, keep in touch that brings me on to the other um, aspect, the social ceremonies as well. Um, remember the days of the office where you'd pop round to the pub after work on such a day, 
or go and have a game of pool or a bit of ping pong or whatever. How does that work remotely? Now, I'm guessing that um, a lot of you guys, a lot of the guys listening, you probably had the the Friday afternoon get together on Teams or whatever it is. I'm, I'm guessing a lot of people are saying, yeah, yeah, we have one of those. And that's great. However, the one thing I would say to, to balance that is um, if you find that it's, it's six people, it tends to go quite well. Ten people goes quite well. But you often find that when it ends up being 30, 40, etc. more, there's a problem. One, as, as awesome as remote working video conferencing tools are, what, at the end of the day, it's a single screen with one person on the microphone at a time. And when you end up trying to expect a social um, gathering and a get together, it doesn't really work. Imagine going out with um, 30 people on a night out and only one person can speak at a time. Wouldn't work, would it? So why would it work on a, a Teams call at Friday, on, um, on a Friday afternoon? And that is compounded with another issue. Um, many, some of you guys, you may have uh, ran into the discussion, especially as a leader, of why aren't... Um, why as a person A, B and C, why do they never speak? Um, they're, they're, they're always on mute. They're always with the camera off. It's, all, it's always John, Sally and Dave talking all the time. What can we do about that? And there's, a, there's some truth in that. You, you naturally would want everybody to take part, everyone to take part in the quiz or whatever. But the reality is, and it's always been the reality, is usually about 50% of um, colleagues are introverted, the other 50% extroverted. And you'd see it, I can go back to the, the, the days of old in a, in a pub or whatever. Not everyone's talking. Some people are enjoying listening. There is actually um, semblance and um, reassurance, whether they're, in, whether they're in the office surrounded by people or whatever. There's some people you know where they'll be working and it feels good in a social circle of chatter and laughter and things like that. So some people do gain from attending that Friday call and not really speaking, just taking part in the immersion of the social um, chatter. So one thing I would advise and say from experience is people who are introverted, let them be. If they're attending the call, let them let them soak it in and not expect that everybody takes part and everybody inputs and everybody comes off mute to, to say something, I would find. And if you do find that... Um, you, the size of that Friday or whatever day is catch up becomes too big, break it down. So it can be become a smaller natural um, conversation again, rather than this um, 50 people waiting to get a word into the mic. And the, the last thing for me, the, the work-life balance part of it is, again, just going back to the, the days of office. Um, um, Dave, have you got two minutes? You just have a quick chat over the divide or whatever. Then two minutes later, you, you walk back to your desk again. Can't do that now. You'll schedule in a 15-minute call instead. And because you've got so many calls you'd schedule in, you end up with this Tetris effect, which snowballs up. And some of you may, um, <laughs> people listening now, before you know it, you, you end up with this Tetris block of meetings you've got for quick catch-ups that naturally would have happened at the edge of your desk. So there's there's no right or wrong answer to this. It is a problem that's brought been brought on by remote working. But start with a, a Teams message of try and resolve it there first, or just a quick conversation, and then say goodbye again. And take those little moments as well, just to say, did you watch Love Island last night? Did you watch the match last night? Because to be honest, that's gone as well, hasn't it? That. You would never give someone a call to ask them that. You'd probably overhear it in the office and go, yeah, I watched that. There's a lot of social um, points and a lot of social um, bonuses that are gone 
there were a time when we were all together and whatever we can do to restore some of those social goodies shall we say for mental health and as graham said to be yourself find little ways to bring them back even as we're remote Absolutely. thank you very much um, does anyone want to add on to the, the topic of work-life balance or should we move on to the next question i'm a little concerned about steve watching love island <laughs> yeah me too i was in <clears throat> um, I don't watch it. Uh, it's on in the living room with uh, my, my partner may watch it and I overhear things. <laughs> All right, okay. that's, a, that's, a, that's a fair issue. There's just one thing I would say, Beth, actually, following off what you were saying, Steve, about booking time in with people. One of the things that we, that we do is, you know, we're all on Teams, on Teams chat. Um, so quite often we'll, we'll just ping someone and say, you know, a quick, a quick text message and say, look, uh, you've got a couple of minutes, so just want to quick catch up, make sure you're OK. Um, so rather than booking in a 15 minute meeting, it's just a very it's a very quick. And if then if they're busy, that's fine. You know, you don't bother. But if they've got a couple of minutes and it is just a very quick catch up, you know, how are you doing? What's going on in your life? Have you seen Love Island? That sort of thing. Um, and I think and that works quite well. And we it's something that we've done probably more or less since the start of, of lockdown, actually. And it's something it's just a, it's quite a nice info. And there's there's usually a work thing in there somewhere, you know, how you get on with this thing and you've got problems still. What's happening with that release? Um, and have you watched the football or whatever? And I, and I think that works quite well without the formality of lock booking. And, and you're right. The Tetris thing is an absolute disaster, isn't it? I mean, it's just you look at your calendar and you think, oh, no, I'm not going to get anything done, you know. But um, yes, yeah, so that's something that we do. Thank you very much. So, Stephen, this is your the last question, which is what are problems to watch out for across remote working teams? Um, and Stephen, as a short question, I'll let you go first. Um, for me, problems to watch out for is, again, just as a dutiful uh, manager of your people, watch out for bad habits. Again, just going back to the time when we were all in the office together. When you were in the office, there'd be visual stimulus. You'd see the, the, the coats being put on at five o'clock, which would usually stimulate you to start winding down. At lunchtime, you'd see people getting up and fancying something to eat. And then you'd start thinking, right, I'll wrap up this and I'd better go as well. That herd of people who would head off to the canteen or cross the road to go out somewhere, you're not going to miss that. You're going to join in and get something to eat. And I say at five o'clock, um, you don't want to be, well, you sh hopefully shouldn't be uh, a very lonely person in the office working your way through the evening because everyone else has gone and the lights switch off. But in, as, we, as we especially found when we went into lockdown, I, I did personally find it. There is no one putting coats on around me anymore. There isn't 12 people asking me if I'll come with them for lunch. I'm alone in this room right now. And believe it or not, suddenly it's four o'clock and I've not eaten anything. And then it's pitch black outside and it's half past seven and I'm still here. It's imperative that if you are going to be alone working somewhere, that you schedule in, you build in those points to make sure you look after yourself in terms of exercise, in terms of nutrition. When we say nutrition, I don't mean run downstairs and uh, quickly just gulp down a huel for that five minutes before the meeting that you gave yourself. I mean, actually have that hour or half hour, whatever it is you've got to make sure you do cook something properly, eat and so on. Um, as you would have done probably in the office when you'd sit around together and have that again, that, that food and that social time to um, be social. The other thing, uh, on, oh yeah, on that as well, just... Um, the exercise part of it as well in the office as i say you would probably walk to somewhere or some people would walk around the car park or whatever you've got take care of yourself i've, I've known people um when we start uh, first went into lockdown where they would deliberately in the morning before work actually walk around the block twice to get back that um routine of commuting almost and to stretch the legs um, very important 
The other problem I'd say to watch out for is is loneliness. Now, not pe- not many people would admit that I'm. Not many people would admit they feel lonely. There's probably a stigma about saying I'm I'm lonely at home, but many people are. There's people, as I say, who are very social animals, whether they're extroverted or introverted, who who need people around them or they want someone to talk to. And suddenly you're in this situation where you're you're alone somewhere that where you've taken 20 paces out of bed to get to a desk and you probably long for a meeting to to be able to hear a human voice not many people will admit that i'm not saying it's easy to spot that but it is easy to make sure that those touch points are there as we touched on earlier to make sure people get that as well don't rely on people to come forward to say i'm feeling lonely or i don't feel this cater for it build the culture for it as well and get those touch points in there the other problems to watch out for, as I say, is try and get people to, as David was saying, um, just give each other a shout first, give each other a quick call or a nudge to take care of that thing. Don't time box it into a 30-minute conversation because you will fill it. And uh, before you know it, you end up with that Tetris block of meetings all day where you sacrifice your lunch to get a few more in. And before you know it, you're running down to the fridge for the 10 minutes before the next call that you can't be late for. And above all, the problems to watch out for, especially if you've got that hybrid workforce as I said earlier, is the us and them um, fallacy that you get. Um, that needs to be eliminated. If you truly embrace a remote workforce, embrace remote principle first, not um, we'd rather you're in the office, but we'll take you on remotely and you're the person who's dialed in last, who is the, you don't have, don't make sure you don't have people who have to say things like, I can't see what you've written on the whiteboard in the room there. You can't see the paper that's been handed around the table. That's not a place we want to be if you truly embrace a, um, a remote workforce. That I'd say they're the, the main issues that from my experience to to watch out for and avoid. Thank you very much. David, I'll go to you, please. Um, thank you. Um, yes, some some really good points, Steve. I think I think following on from that, and I think the, the short answer for me is um, you need to try and spot if people are struggling, and that that is sort of emotionally, but also if they've got an issue with their work. You know, if you're in an office, it's it's very easy when to if someone's struggling with something their co-workers will probably spot it and and wade in and help them when they're at the end of a screen especially with development staff who you know they like to get stuck into things sometimes they don't like admitting they're wrong um and they're like a challenge you know they're developers they love a challenge so um so what what we found a couple of times is that you know we'll we'll sort of almost lose someone for most of a day and then when you finally catch up with them at some point when you have time you find that they've been stuck on something since nine nine oh five all day with where actually if they'd had a bit of help or they'd asked for a bit of help they could have been up and running, you know, much faster, which is, you know, it's it's, it's bad on, on every level. So we've always tried to encourage people to, you know, if you've got a problem, shout. But the but the, the issue with that is that if I've got a lot of people in the team who are, you know, they're cracking on with their work, doing really well, got someone struggling, they can then in, end up interrupting someone else and causing an issue for that person. So so managing that for us has been a bit of an issue. How do we how do we cope with that? How do we manage that? So we have we've, we've always had stand ups every morning. So we do that. We've, and we've always done those virtually. So we try and now say to people, look, if you've got an issue that can wait to the next day, Bring it up at stand up. We'll we'll allocate the right person. If it's if it's something that you're struggling with, um, talk to talk to a, a project manager or, or my co-director or myself, and we'll we'll allocate the right person for you to talk to. So you're impacting the team the least, but you're getting the help that you need. Um, so you don't struggle. And it's taken quite a while for, for people to get their heads around that. It works really well now, but we we at the start of lockdown it was quite it was quite difficult. I found, and I think it's that change of mentality, isn't it? To to just make people aware that there are different ways to communicate now. You know, it, it is a it's a it is a new world, and we have to 
we have to embrace it. We have to find things that work and accept that some things don't work. And if they don't work, that's that's fine. You know, we accept that. We we learn from it and we move on. And I think that that's been the thing for for me. And, and personally, the other thing for me is avoiding the fridge. But um, that's uh, that's just been a hideous problem. <laughs> yeah, it's lonely. My my only friend is the dog in the fridge. But you know, there you go. Well, at least the dog can show you love. I've got, my, I've got a cat and she just, she comes for me to treats and then she just leaves. So if she only shows off, I'll show you a little bit more that's, affection. That's cats for you. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> um, Graham, do you want to... Um, Give us some info about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, um, yeah, well, my cat's not here at the moment. And I think last time we spoke, he was he was up and around oh, yeah. here. I was, I was waiting for him to make an appearance, actually. Um, I, I want to come back to something that Steve said. And, and um, it was really very, very, very interesting what you said about, um, you know, people needing, you know, that time, you know, that loneliness side of things. For me, I mean, I've been a remote worker for longer than I can remember, 15 odd years now. Um, I'm long before it became cool when the pandemic hit. Um, but for me, I, I'd still crave, I, you know, I, I, my lifestyle suits remote working absolutely fully adjusted to that. I've got two young children, uh, you know, pick them up from school, all of that sort of stuff. That flexibility really, really does suit me. But I really do crave that office time as well. So that, that again, coming back to what you said earlier, that remote first hybrid approach and and very small on the hybrid side of it, for me personally is absolutely spot on because it allows me to still have that face-to-face -face time with my team um with the people that i work closely with um but also you know suits the lifestyle which i think many people you know is is a good balance that many people would, would also find um coming back to the the, the 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 question you know i think that some of the problems are, I think we've covered many of them already, is kind of that excessive working hours. Um, Steve, I think you said it absolutely. And I, I did this very early stage of my career as well, which is working all hours, missing lunch. Suddenly it's seven o'clock, working late hours. And, and on, on odd occasions, I think that's fine. If you've got a big project to do, that remote does first uh, does give you that flexibility to do that. You haven't got to wait for the hours, the, the, the lights to shut off, things like that. You can have that quiet time when there aren't other people about, we typically would have been in an office to really knuckle down. Something that we've we've really experimented quite well with is kind of having focus days, whereby actually we try and have our meetings on a Monday or a Tuesday or Monday, Tuesday, or maybe a Friday, and we have a Wednesday or a Wednesday and a Thursday to really try and keep the meetings to a minimum, really knuckle down on the, our task, really have that focus time, that quiet time. Um, for me, works perfectly. Uh, otherwise, again, I think like many of us, we play that Tetris of, of, of meetings across the shop. But I certainly think problems then are outside of that if you have considerate um, consistent long working hours um, and on the flip side as well um, some problems is 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 seeing that quality you know and I think we've touched upon this across all of these questions so far which is we don't want to be micromanaging people we don't want to constantly be calling them up checking on everything they do as long as the output is good we don't largely care too much about you know are they going to nip off to their kids or go and play around a golf or something like that but on the flip side of that is making sure that that quality is there, that they are doing that work, you know, that the people aren't also then taking advantage of that. And I think with remote work becoming more norm these days with many businesses, I think that's dried up a lot. But I certainly know in my early days of remote work, other remote workers were really taking advantage of that. And I think there was then also that stigma, which is carried on through to right now, which is, oh, you're a remote worker. You can get away with anything then, can't you? What do you do? Just sit on, you know, play Xbox all day. You watch when it was on Jeremy Carl all day and things like that. Um, 
and I think that was a real stigma that I worked a lot through and I think is is going but there is still a bit of stigma about that as well it's, it's kind of re-educating people about actually what what being a remote worker actually is what it entails and also some of the the struggles that, that come that come with that as well uh, we've said it as well scheduling lunch breaks lunch times breaks end of days things like that um one question i, I think i have and i think um i, I think it, it, it comes back to the, the the previous question a little bit as well is how do you solve that problem still with um with those introverts you know we've spoken about kind of people that are introverted that we that don't want to partake they want to just listen to things like that which is perfectly fine it, it really does cater to um people's personalities but one thing i've never found a a, a really good kind of silver bullet for answer for is how do you solve that in a kind of a real true working uh, practice whereby you know they're in a meeting they are taking part you know it's a real it's a project or whatever the meeting is about and they've got those introverts we know that they don't want to you know put their hand up and give an opinion and things like that and in many cases okay that's all, all good and fine but when they are key people as part of that decision making process particularly when they might then turn around and say oh yeah i had all these ideas but people weren't listening to me well but you weren't you weren't talking, you know, and maybe in an office environment, they would have felt a bit more forced to to kind of talk about their ideas on a remote call. They might feel a bit more um, safe in not in not talking about things um, as anybody as uh, or any maybe anybody watching as well. You know it, how how to how to kind of help, you know, guide those individuals to, to talking more, even though they might not feel comfortable with it. Well, one thing, one thing for me, uh, Graham, just on that, as you say, the those that are introverted. <clears throat> one thing I've found is that um, there's several meetings where you have where hot topic is on the table. Extroverts dive in with opinions versus opinion or suggestion versus suggestion. And you also get um, introverts. It's not always just introverts, but introverts like to digest process and often they take it away and they'll ideate and that might be back at their desk or it might be at home in the shower wherever they like to process and usually come back with right after thinking through xyz innovations that they've come up with not an extroverted expression on the spot in the previous meeting and i think that's that's not something to um try and accelerate or it's not something where um for me I think the answer is to try and get them to be more extroverted against you know their their nature uh, one thing i would advise is make sure if, if there is that hybrid workforce as i was making sure of before is they have those pods their own desks to actually go away to and process afterwards so that the in their own natural ways can come up with the um the answers that they would naturally process and come back afterwards to there's um, several businesses and uh, some people have spoken to different businesses where since the pandemic, the office space has been rethought to be, why don't we clear out a load of desks and just have these collaborative larger desks instead? And then when we come to the office, we all sit together at the table and we all speak at this table. Now, the issue you've got there is those the people who do usually take things away and go and think about it are on the spot at that table to, uh, to to verbally contribute back immediately and that brings its issues as well um it is a challenge graham and uh, for me at least i don't think there's any right answer but i do think in the, the shift we've had from the, the the previous environment we had in the office introverts and their their natural processes to work does need to be accomodated for uh, david i'm not sure if I you've think, got any 
I think the only thing I'd add is that using the example I would give is that if you're going into a meeting with um, you know someone who who has that sort of personality, um, I'd always make sure that I I read the agenda of the meeting, knew what was going to be discussed, and I discuss it with that person beforehand and say, look, you know. If you've got anything you want to say there and then, you know, this is this is the topic. This is what's going to be said. If, if you want to go away and think about it, that's great as well. And I'd make a point in the meeting of saying, you know, right, OK, so th th that's all great. And then I'd address that person and say, right, OK, you know, can we go away and talk about this and think about this and then maybe come back with an answer later? So we're not putting pressure on them to sort of be in front of an audience, but you're, you're almost giving them space and you're telling everyone else that I'm giving this person space because they're not they're not going to just wade in without thinking about things as you say they want to digest they want to think about it they want to understand the ramifications and come back with something that they're confident in. Um, and I think your example of where you're getting everyone around one big table, you know, for, for in a working environment. I mean, that, I'd love that. That would be a fantastic working environment. But I think you're right. Some people are going to feel um, they're just going to feel that they've been put on the spot, aren't they? Which which they're never going to going to appreciate. And I don't I don't quite know how you get around. That. Thanks, guys. That was really useful. Well, thank you very much. Does anyone have anything to add or anything? We're coming up to the hour mark now, so uh, if nothing, then I'll, uh, yeah, I'll start to wrap it up. Anyone else want to add anything? No? <laughs> uh, for, for me, uh, I think I've enjoyed this conversation and it's been it's good to re to review how we talk about remote working and i think the pandemic has incubated a proof of concept for the whole digital workforce to actually give this a go and graham was saying before you've been doing this for 15 years haven't you and you've probably embraced all the tools and the technology to do it effectively and actually work effectively wherever you want to be whereas the stigmas from three years ago have now well they've been disproved and it, there's a it's now been proven that we can do this and what's interesting at the moment is for the last 18 months is this temporary, we're, we're, we're working remotely at the moment, aren't we, at the moment. I'm not going to invest in an office because we'll all be back in the office, maybe. I'm going to work at this kitchen table and so on. But now I think businesses have, you know, they've revealed the cards or they've, they've made their choice of um, we're going to close the office down and just go full remote or everyone back to the office. But one thing I think is undeniable, especially those who are recruiting people right now is there is definitely a momentum of expectation that remote working please or hybrid working please that whether you like it or not we need to embrace but what's also interesting is the evolution is not just where we work but when we work as well i mean both david and graham before you were talking about long hours you were talking about saturdays taking calls and so on but i have had conversations with team members some expressing that they mo they mo work much better with family circumstances at seven o'clock in the evening would rather start yeah. work at 10 and others the, the the other and as we're getting into remote working that means we can also have people overseas in our employ as well on a completely different time zone so I think not only do we need to embrace the 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 uh, geography of where people are, but when as well, and not expect that you know a a fixed nine a.m. meeting everyone's going to be there. That will have its lifespan as well. That expectation. So yeah, it's um, it's an interesting time we're in, and uh, as horrible as the pandemic was, as I say, it's 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 delivered and thrust a proof of concept for this. I think it's really interesting because. Um... I, I think two 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 things just to say to you there, Steve, is I think firstly asynchronous working I think is something that's got a huge amount of um, of uh, of runway ahead of it now. We've we've I've really experimented with it. Still a lot of work to do with it, but exactly what you're saying there. We don't all need to be you know working at the same time to still be very effective. But one thing is you know um, as I said earlier, you know I've, I'm, I'm about in a couple of weeks I'll be starting a new a new role, a new company, and um, I've been applying 
for roles for sort of two, three months now interviewing. And one thing that I've found very interesting with that is that there's a real mix of organisations that are, yeah, we're very happy. We are, we are already remote first or we're very happy. You know, we've got people all over the world. We're very happy to be remote. And then it's the side of the businesses and we're seeing many big businesses sort of saying this as well. Tesla, people places like that saying, um, you know, we just we we, we are just uh, we, we just prefer working together. Everybody prefers working together without even asking their staff. You know, we work better when we're all in the office together. The expectation is, is that you have to be working in an office together. Now, for me, I, you know, I live on the South Coast, you know, uh, the arse end of nowhere. Um, it's difficult for me to, it's, I get to London fairly easily, but for, again, being a very fully remote person, uh, you know, I'm well adjusted to that. And I think there was always the implication that, um, okay, well, you're a remote worker, so, you know, we, we work better. You you will do better if you come into the office. Now, I've had 15 years of being very, very successful working as a remote worker. So you can't say to me and many other people that you don't work as well if you're not in the office with all of us. Um, and I think, again, that's another piece that they've tried, what we have now tried and tested throughout the pandemic is now starting to change people's minds a little bit. Yeah, definitely. I think it's given people the chance that aren't actually able and haven't got that flexibility to go in the office. It's given them a chance to get to do the role that they've wanted for probably God knows how many years. So I do think that there are definitely some um, pros that have come out of um, working from home and, and, and people having to, to close down the offices. Brilliant. Okay, well, if everyone is happy um, with everything that's being said, um, I just want to um, thank you all for taking the opportunity to, to come and happen to speak to me on the Evolution Exchange podcast. It's been a real pleasure to hear everybody's point of views and different tips and tricks that you may use in your day-to-day -day life. And I'm sure that people that are listening to this will get um, some benefits and actually take something from um, this this podcast 100% um, so yeah again thank you um, for taking a part thank you everyone for who's going to be listening to this and yeah I'll speak to you again soon thanks a lot thanks for having <laughs> us great to meet you guys